0: Welcome to the Koji Podcast episode 4. I am your host, I will Spinoza, and the topic for today is... Vocations. How does one determine the voca- their vocation? Let's get into it. First of all, what is a vocation? There are two. The general vocation and the specific vocation. The general vocation is the same for everybody on earth. It is to go to heaven and be with God forever. uh, Sharing in his happiness and his grace and glory. Uh, The second one uh, being the specific vocation which varies between each and every person. It is the specific path to heaven chosen by God for you. So, what... Are the vocations well? Uh, the the vocations are the married life, priesthood, and religious life. Uh, now, how do we discern our vocation? Well, first, humility. Right. True humility expects God's help and grace. We need to be humble. And accept whatever God's will is for us. Uh, Don't be prideful. Um, Don't impose our our will on on God. Rather, we should accept God's will. Um, uh, That's the first step. Be open to the will of God, right? Um, Pray every day. Pray every day uh, for the grace to know... uh, our vocation, because that's the God isn't gonna give what we don't ask for, right? He wants us to be seeking Him, seeking Him, uh, seeking His grace and His will, uh, and grow in the in perseverance. We have to persevere to to know our vocation. We also need to be doing penance. Uh, Because by doing penance, we choose the hard thing, the hard choices to give us the choice to choose freely. Our Lord says, unless we do prayer and penance, we will perish. We need both. And, uh, yeah, just every day asking God to give you the knowledge of your vocation. Um, And I think that since the religious life is the most surest and holiest way or the the holiest the most surest way to heaven that should be the first uh vocation to investigate right so first we would investigate the religious life and if we find out it's not for us then we go into the next vocation to investigate um because even though it's the surest and the holiest way Or the surest and the fastest way it it's not the fat it's not the best choice for everyone God gave us different graces and different uh, paths for us to go Um, and remember that our vocation is just to help us to go to heaven and bring others with us ultimately Um, and just remember unless you know your vocation already then you should be investigating the religious life so, it'd be better not to date yet, if you're, you know, in the beginning stages. Don't date, uh, because that beauty and attractiveness of marriage can often blind you from the religious life, because the religious life isn't that attractive. E- and, it could, the like, dating is, it gives you an experience of that beauty and attractiveness. So, we need to... First look into religious life it's not f- if it's not for us then we could go into dating or you know, stuff like that, recording, I mean. Um which will probably be another podcast for a different for a later video. Uh, yeah, but just remember but this whole time that you're doing all this uh go to a good priest. Um uh ask him for tips and advice on how to find your vocation. He, um, if he's a good spiritual director, he'll be trying to find out more about you to know what you know your f- faults and your virtues are. He'll help you to to find out uh, what's your ver- what's your vocation. I mean, uh, because and God will give him the grace to help you in that. Um. So yeah, go to a good priest and yeah to for spiritual direction um and we got to remember that in in every vocation there's certain qualifications there's physical qualifications so we should be able to do the work required in the vocations uh, we should have that the physical strength to do those vocations such as if it's missionary work probably if you're handicapped um, you're like in a wheelchair or crutches. It's probably not the best for you to go and become a missionary. Probably that's not your your vocation because God often gives us... He gives us the means to do our vocations. And the next qualification is intellectual qualifications. So we have to be, if we're becoming a priest, for example... if we, I mean, if we want to become a priest, uh, usually God will give us the intellectual qualification we have to be able to understand what we're studying in the seminary to you know so that we could we could be able to better explain to the to uh... our our flock our spiritual children once we're a priest um... we also have to have the moral qualifications which we should be able to live habitually in the state of grace and we, you know, follow to the best of our ability the teachings of the Church, natural law, and um, later on, if we become a priest, you know, and we didn't have, we weren't living it habitually in the state of grace, and we're committing acts of impurity, morally sinful ones, that could uh, lead us to commit graver sin uh, very grave sins and scant- and scandals, when we become a priest. So we should already be probably in the illuminative stage. I think uh, St. Thomas Aquinas talks about that the, uh, a person that wants to become a priest should already be in the illuminative stage of the spiritual life, which I'll get into. I'll get into that in the next podcast. Um, and also, we shouldn't have emotional disorders such as, you know, same-sex attraction. You Know to get into the religious life, um, I mean, or, I mean, sorry, into the priesthood and probably the religious life because if you're a guy and you like other guys, then you it probably <laughs> it's not good for you to go to a monastery where there's only guys, you know, or for a priest, you know, that that's where all these scandals come from. These people infiltrated the church and the seminaries weren't asking about their, you know, if they had these disorders of same-sex attraction or these tendencies, um, and these scandals happened, you know, and it gave a, you know, it gives a bad reputation to the, to the church, when these, these, the clergy are are doing committing these grave, grievous sins. Um, so yeah, so remember just prayer, penance. Uh, and we've already looked at the physical, uh, intellectual, and moral qualifications. Now we're going to go into a bit about. We're going to go. We're going to talk about what the Catechism says about uh, each vocation. Just a little bit about what the signs are or, or things that would prevent us from, from joining uh, that vo- vocation. So, uh, wait, let me see here. Okay, Okay, this is from Baltimore Catechism 3, 197D. Uh, Actually, uh, I recommend that you get this book, Baltimore Catechism 3. I think I have it right here. This book right here. Where is it? Can you see that? Yeah. Baltimore Catechism 3. I read it in my... uh, high school homeschool uh i'm homeschooled in seton homeschool study and i read it in ninth grade so this is where i got my information on the i mean this is where i'm getting the information so in baltimore catechism 3 197 d it says any catholic may voluntarily seek admission to the religious life who is free from legal impediments has the right intention and is fitted to discharge the duties of the particular institute of his choice. So it's saying that pretty much any Catholic is able to go, is able to seek permission to, or seek admission to join the religious life if we don't have any legal troubles or impediments, as it says right here. And for example, married persons, obviously, if you're married, you can't join the religious life you're already in a different vocation you have certain responsibilities you can't neglect um, and persons under 15 years of age as well as those whose parents need their help so yeah if you're 15 years under age uh you're not able to go because it's uh that's an legal impediment obviously if you grew older then you could go and it says also those whose parents need their help. Um, um. It's because obviously if your parents are. If your parents have Alzheimer's. Or some other thing. And they need your help. But if you leave to the religious life. You'd probably be. You'd be neglecting them. You know if they have these certain things. Certain issues. Uh, okay so. Married persons and persons under fifteen years of age, as well as those whose parents need their help, are prevented by legal impediments from embracing the religious state. A person who wishes to please God, to save his souls, or save his soul, or to help his neighbor, has a right intention, and seeking admission to the re- in seeking admission to the religious state. The novitiate of the religious state is a period during which a vocation is tested, and superiors and subjects are enabled to decide freely on the mutual obligations that are assumed by public profession in their religious state. So what it's saying here that when you're uh, in in the novitiate stage of the religious life, that means that you're not into it completely. You're just testing uh, whether this is for you or not. And the superiors, or you, are able to decide whether it's not for you. I mean, like, I mean the superiors can't force you to stay, but what I mean is that um, they're able to tell you that it's not for you, so you would have. They're able to tell you to, to that it's not for you, and you you have to go. But you can decide if you're gonna stay or go, um, because sometimes we feel calling to these to this vocation but it's not really for us you know maybe god is calling us to do something else or maybe god wanted us to go to the officiate stage just to learn something that will help us in our in a late in a vocation in our true vocation which might be marriage or priesthood or whatever by profession members of the religious life publicly assume the obligations of their states through the vows of poverty chastity and obedience these obligations are assumed for a definite period of time or for life. Okay. So it's saying right here that. That. Once you become. A, a religious. When you enter the religious life completely. You're, you take the vows of poverty. Chastity and obedience. Pov- In poverty you can't. Own anything. You only can borrow from the order. From which you are. Joining. Like if they. You see a. A religious person, a religious, like a monk, or a, yeah, a monk, or a nun, or something like that, and they have a car. They don't own it, they're just borrowing it from the order, because they need it. And chastity, they cannot get married, or have any relations with anyone. And obedience, they need to, they're, they have to obey the superior, in everything, except for obviously sin, they cannot... Uh, obey them in sin obviously uh in the religious life you know all these things will help you know just by how you are right now if you see that your qualifications physically man, uh intellectually and morally if you if you feel usually god gives us these qualifications if he wants us to go into a certain vocation and we can see that you know um if you're not smart enough to to understand all the studies of the se- in the seminary, then obviously maybe I mean, but maybe you're not called to it because there was Saint John Vianney, and he wasn't the brightest uh, student out there in the priesthood, but he was certainly called to a vocation to the priesthood, and he answered that call, and he he was called to persevere, especially in the studies of Latin, because he had a trouble in Latin, and maybe we can also uh, pray to Saint John Vianney, like before. If we're we're a seminarian, if you're a seminarian and you you're gonna take a test that's uh, very important into joining uh, into becoming a priest, then you could uh, ask Saint John Vianney to help to to pray for you to help you to to pass the test. You know. Um, and, uh, so anyways, yeah, um, so once we don't, we know that we're not called to religious life, then we can look into the other, uh, vocations, um, in the Baltimore Catechism, the one I was talking about in 452A, it says, actually 452, some of the preliminary signs of vocations to the priesthood are first. That the boy or young man be capable of living habitually in the state of grace. I already mentioned that uh, before. Second, that he be attracted to the priesthood and manifests this attraction by frequent confession and communion, by a virtuous life, and by a love of serving mass. So it's saying right here that um, he, he has to have an attraction to the priesthood. And he manifests that attraction or he grows that attraction by frequent confession and communion and also by a love of serving mass Um, especially if you're you know discerning for the priesthood it's good to serve mass to have a uh, an experience of how the priest feels or you know just an experience of being close to god on the sanctuary and close to the altar witnessing a, a a priest especially if you go to like latin mass You serve at a Latin Mass, you see the beauty and the reverence and the love coming from that priest, you know, uh, and going towards God. And you see God's love and beauty um, because when you see all that reverence and that and the incense and and the, you know, the beautiful altar and, you know, the beautiful vestments of the priest, it makes you realize how beautiful God really is. And it's very good to, to serve Mass. It gives you, it helps you discern. Okay, anyways, continuing. B, those who are called by God to be priests ordinarily, ordinarily received no special revelation to this effect. God expects all to use the gifts of reason and of grace in determining their state of life. So, God is not going to throw a book in, over your head like, ah, i'm called to priesthood now no it's like um he he wants us to use our uh grace and reason to uh be able to find out what our vocation is you know and perseverance and and praying to him because there are sometimes the what's it called well for example there there is a priest who had a young man come to him complaining about not being, of God not telling him, you know, clearly what his vocation was. And and he was very troubled and almost being tortured by the fact that he didn't know uh, what his vocation was. And the priest asked him, Would you be praying as much if you knew what your vocation was since the beginning? Uh, and the young man replied, No. They like, He realized that, God wants us to pray and to ask to ask him uh, what our vocation is because it helps us grow closer and you know, build that perseverance and that love for the vocation and to learn more about it. He wants us to pray obviously always and maybe by persevering uh, to know that vocation God sees that we really want this vocation we really want to follow God you know Anyways, yeah, but got to remember that being a priest is very, very important. It's, uh, we have to be a representation of the, of Christ, you know, when we, when a priest, uh, does the consecration, he's acting in persona Christi in the person of Christ. He's, uh, uh, what's it called? He's representing Christ here on earth in that moment. Yeah, so just keep in mind about the priesthood that, you remember, living habitually in the state of grace, having attraction to the priesthood and the sacraments, you know, serving Mass. And obviously, be a boy. You have to be male. Uh, there's only two genders, remember? <laughs> and women are not allowed to become priests, only men. Um, so you have to be a man. And. Okay, now, for the, for marriage state. 458. What is the chief duty of husband and wife in the marriage state? The chief duty of husband and wife in the marriage state is to be faithful to each other and to re- provide in every way for the welfare of the children God may give them. So, A, the duty of being faithful to each other means that the privileges of husband and wife may be shared by them alone. So, the privileges like living together, having the, doing, The marital act. Uh, So B. Parents by the will of God have the primary right and obligation to feed, clothe, shelter, and educate their children. This God-given right may not be unjustly interfered with by any power on earth. Any law which takes away or lessens this right and obligation is unjust. Okay, well, it's very uh, controversial. But you got to know your duty, you know, in the married state. It shouldn't be controversial. But now with all this feminism. Uh, this feminist agenda going around. And you got to know your duty as a. Well first as a husband. You got to be the, the breadwinner. You got to be the one providing. Obviously spiritual. But also economical way. Um, so you have to be able to feed your children. Obviously. And educate your children. You have to teach them. Um, obviously like. Their school. Or whatever. But I mean also. You gotta educate them in the faith. Teach them about God. About the saints. Read them the stories of the saints. And you know. Make sure they're going to confession. They're in the state of grace. You know all of that. And the duty of the wife. Is to stay at home. And there are some exceptions. Like if you're a single mom. That's an exception. Because you have to go to work. Because there's no husband there to provide. So you have to go to work. But that doesn't mean it's still good for the child. You know. And it's hard to. When you. You know. It's hard to hear that and say that. Because it's true. It's still going to affect, affect the child in a way. They need their dad. And they need you. In the house. But obviously it's an exception. Because there's no other way. Or else it can't. You know. Can't feed you. Or anything. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna have a podcast in the future About feminism for sure And masculinity and the duties of wife and husband Um so yeah Women have They have to stay home and take care of their children They can't be going to work uh, They have to stay home and make sure their children are doing You know the right things Um And especially nowadays Like to educate your children It's better to to homeschool Because now in the In the public school i mean now right now there's all this covid stuff and the public schools are closed but and it's online i'm not sure how it is online but i'm pretty sure it's still the same they're not teaching your kids good stuff you know they're giving them the sex education and the and also also the quality of the education is not good um like in seaton homeschool for example that's the only thing i'm able to Talk about because that's the only homeschool I've been in and I am in still right now. Um, they make you work your butt off, you know, in essays and and in math and you know you gotta work hard in in Seton, but it's worth it. You're actually learning things and especially the religion, man. The religion is awesome in here. And here, and also, uh, they made me read one, uh, Baltimore Catechism 1, uh, two times. And Baltimore Catechism 2, they made me read read it three times because I had to read it once a year. So when I was in fourth grade, they made me read it uh, once. And then fifth grade, another time. And then sixth grade, Baltimore Catechism 2. Seventh grade, they made me read it again. In eighth grade, they made me read it again, and now I did. I read *Baltimore Catechism* three. Um, in ninth grade, uh, last year I read it. Well, actually, no, the beginning of this year I read it. Um, right now, I'm tenth. I'm in tenth grade. They make you memorize answers to questions uh, concerning the faith and morals. It's very good. You should. I recommend Seton Home Study School to uh, every parent. Because now the, the educational system in the public schools is horrible. And private schools. And Catholic schools. You know, that's, that's shameful. It should be, like, the best in the Catholic schools. But it's probably even worse, you know? Because um, they're probably giving bad theology in there. So I recommend, you know, Seton Home Study School. It's very good. Anyways... So yeah, parent, husband, you go to work, uh, and be the the strong, religious, good Catholic man, and the good example for your children, and take your kids out to the park, you know, whenever you have time, go take your kid, uh, you know, whenever you're you're talking to him, you know, talk talk to him about about God or about you know manly things, manly virtues. Take him to job, to your job, or, you know, if you can, sometimes you can't, you know, go take him to, to, to work out or something like that, you know, Um, and for the mom, you got to be at the home, at the home, if you want the, the best for your children, you got to be at the home, and you're going to make mistakes, but it's going to get better along the way. Um, it's going to be hard Because many many people are going to criticize you For deciding to stay home And for having a lot of children And stuff like that Um So yeah, those are the duties Of the parents Ultimately, to take your children to heaven That's that's the Ultimate end That's what it's all about You know, all of our vocations To take ourselves and others to God Um you know, and what did the saints say about vocations? St. Francis says that it is not wise to tell your parents of your religious vocation. Because a lot of times parents can interfere, interfere with uh, your vocation. Because a lot of times they're thinking about their temporal welfare. You know, which is natural. It's going to, you know, it's just natural for them to want you to stay with them, you know, for, forever almost at home. But, you know, we got to fly from the nest at one point. Like, for example, St. Gerard, he had to run away from his home. I'm not sure if his parents were against it or something, but he ran away from home to join the religious life, Uh, specifically the Redemptorists. Uh, When he was crawling out of the window to run away, his mom saw him and asked him why he was going or where he was going, and he said that he was going away to be a saint. Which is, you know, which is exactly what it is. Uh, to follow your vocation is become a saint. And we can't let anyone stop that. Even our own parents, which is, you know, can be, you know, it's a very hard situation when it's your parents that are uh, stopping you from becoming, from going to the vocation you wanted. Like St. Thomas Aquinas had to go against his parents. His mom's wishes, his parents' wishes, and he became a Dominican priest because he knew that was for him. That was his vocation. God had revealed it to him. He knew it. It's a bad thing to be guilt-tripped into vocation because uh, there are sometimes where people are like at church, the old, uh, you know. Church ladies, which are, of course, they're well-meaning. They don't mean harm or anything. But sometimes they come up to a young man and they're like, Oh, you're praying. Your vocation is to become a priest, right? Or something like that. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes you feel guilt-tripped into a vocation almost. Like, you feel bad because, um, like if, for example, you feel like, You know, if you've investigated a lot and you feel like the religious life is not for you. And priesthood is not for you. And right now you feel like marriage is your vocation. And then all of a sudden someone comes up and, you know, says that or something. You know, sometimes it it causes some people to be guilt tripped into a vocation. So just remember that. Sometimes it could help when somebody says that, but you got to remember that. It isn't, you're not, you're not trying to please others, you know, cause there's some some people I talk to, they're like, but you know, you know, I always wanted to become a priest, but now I'm seeing that my vocation is something else. What do I do? Because everybody I, I know thinks I'm going to become a priest. All you got to remember is that it's not about them. You know, it's about God and you're not, you, you, sh- you shouldn't be joining a vocation just to please people. It's to please God, you know, um, and for um, you know, going b- going back to being open to God's will, r- you know, parents teach your children to be open to God's will from an early age. To te- teach teaching the prayer, this prayer uh, goes like this: God, well, name Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. God, show me my vocation, so that I may please Thee. And to save my soul, to be happy with you forever in heaven. Amen. you of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And teach them that prayer to say every day. But not only must they be open to God's will, you must be open to God's will. Your parents have to be open to God's will for their lives. Because it's too often that I hear that somebody wants to become a, a priest or a religious life or even to get married nowadays. They want to get married early, you know, at, at ages 20, 19, 20, 18. It's too often that I hear the the parents are completely against it and they're, you know, they want their kids to wait longer. And But that's not, the vocation is not about you parents. It's about them and God. And if they believe that they're called to be married early, then that's between them and God, not you. And, you know, we got to remember that. So don't force your child into a vocation. That's between them and God. Obviously, you can get some give some advice or something like that. But ultimately, you have to support your child into the vocation they feel called to. Remember, even St. Teresa of Avila ran away from home to join the religious life because her father forbade it. And that doesn't mean she didn't love her her father. In fact, she even sent a letter apologizing to him for what she had done. Because obviously it hurts the parents. You know? It hurts the parents. They, they love you so much and they almost feel abandoned. Obviously it's not abandoned. Abandonment, but that's how they take it sometimes. And... Yeah, just just remember that. For today... I think we've went uh, pretty far into discerning your vocation. Obviously, there's much more that I couldn't get into today, but I think I, you know, I did my best in doing it in this short time. And for the re- resolution, just take action. Take action. Um, take action for your in your vocation because often we can uh, we can hesitate too much, or we can you know. You know we got to take action you know uh go to if you feel called to a seminary just go to the seminary see how it is you know sometimes they have a uh, uh like a saint michael's abbey a year ago they had like a was a program of like it was like a week or two where you could go and check out how it is at the seminary to see how if it's if that is the vocation for you um you got to remember also in the religious life, I mean, in the religious life and the priesthood, you got to look for a good seminary. There's an FSSP, um, St. Michael's Abbey, uh, what is, how do you say it? I-C-K-S-P? I think that's what it's called. Um, you know, there's other ones, obviously, there's, there's a lot more. And, you know, just look for good holy order. Uh, yeah, so just take, Take action. You know, God is going to lead you as long as you're living uh, in a state of grace, trying to live your best state of grace in prayer and the sacraments and penance. You know, God is going to lead you. He's not going to lead you astray. So, yeah, action. And uh comment and like if you like this video. Uh, I'm going to be doing a 12 podcast series on these talks I received from the uh, Brotherhood of St. Dismas. They have a formation program uh, consisting of twelve talks, and I'm gonna be giving those here on the podcast next week. Next week it's gonna be the first one, the first uh, podcast. Uh, see y'all later. Thanks for watching. Like I said, comment, like, and subscribe, and please share this video. Uh, comment if you have any. If you have any advice on how to do my podcast better, I know sometimes it could probably get too serious or something like that. Um. So yeah, give me an advice or, you know, tell me what I could do better, tell me what I do good at, and also give me topics that I could talk about in future podcasts. Thank you for watching, and see you next time. If you like this episode and want to see our beautiful, handsome faces, then go to our YouTube channel, Koji Fruits, where you can see us in HD perfection. See you next time.